Tuesday, March 31st, 2015. Welcome to the Real Marketing Bowl podcast, where we expose the scum of the marketing community. Hello, everybody. My name is Bo Bennett. And I'm Ryan Levesque. And we're back after six years. Talk about a hiatus. Amazing. I mean, the incredible thing is that the marketing community has really cleaned up its act, and it's been six <laughs> years until we found something controversial enough to talk about. That's how long it took us. Yeah. Six years. Yeah. yeah wow. Good job, of... marketing pros. Very good. Well, you know what it was, <laughs> Keeping Ryan? it clean. It was us. It was our first 10 episodes yes. that got the community, kind of kicked their butts, got them in shape. We're the whistleblowers. Yeah, but because we went offline for so long, they started slacking again. Right. And our podcast is needed. Time to get back on the bull. Ride the bull. So what has been going on these last six years? Well, I, I think we should point out that when we first started this podcast, we were advertising for iGroups, but we sold that company. Right. So you no longer have to buy anything from iGroups. Nope. Now you have to buy stuff from eBookit. Ebookit.com, baby. That's where it's at. <laughs> That's the new company. So a lot of our examples will probably have to do with, well, okay, coming back to uh, to some of our experiences with uh, with within Ebookit. I noticed that listening to the other podcast, there were a lot of examples that we use within iGroups. Right. Like a, a lot of the free trials. We had a lot of experience in that area. So I think much of the, the new stuff we will do will have to do with what we're dealing with with uh, ebook it in the book industry right right which kind of brings us to today's podcast today's topic yes indeed which is <gasps> book bowl book bowl now what does that mean exactly does that mean uh the the publishing industry why do our listeners care about what we're dealing with in the publishing industry well our listeners are hopefully readers if you're not a reader you should be mm -hmm. um and uh so as a consumer of books you may not be aware of some of the sleazy tactics that can go on behind the scenes that's right and or, trust me we know it all <laughs> we we are the guys behind the curtains and we see all the dirt right and uh we, we, we probably can't even let you in on all the secrets because there's like the secret society and we'd probably be murdered <laughs> if we gave away too much in our sleep you, you make it sound like these are jealously guarded secrets that we're using in our own business <laughs> which to be clear they are not no. but actually there is one technique that is so sleazy so slimy so evil that i told Bo before the show i i said i'm gonna tell you about this one but I am not going to say it on the show because it's so awful that I don't even want to give people this idea who maybe haven't had it before. Yeah. So if you want to know what it is, you're going to have to come to Massachusetts and find us. Right. But I think also that might be bordering on the illegal, maybe. And oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. we don't we don't really get into that here on the marketing bowl. Right. We're just talking about stuff that that passes that litmus test of legality. Right. But is enough for the community to say, hey, that's wrong. Right. We right. need to address that. Yeah. So let's talk about some of those issues. So as Ryan suggested, if you are a reader, which you should be, you will be in the position where you're looking to buy a book as we all are. And what's the first thing you do, Ryan, when you look to buy a book, generally speaking? The first thing. Yeah, let's say you know what book you want to buy 
for me, it's or, would, or you know the the general genre or something, and you're doing a little shopping. What do you right. do? For me, probably one of the first things, if the book has piqued my curiosity, is I would go on over to Amazon.com and check out the reviews. Mm-hmm. There you go. Is that what you were expecting that, me to say? That's what I was expecting. <laughs> and if you didn't say that, I was going to write it down on the paper here and hold it up so you could actually see it. I check the reviews on <laughs> Amazon. Yeah, on Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. Amazon.com. There you go. And that, yeah, that's what most people do these days. And why Amazon? Well, Amazon, I think they were probably just first to the market. And they've they've got the reputation. If you look at the different online bookstores, many of them have reviews where you could leave a review. But I would say Amazon probably has ten times more than their next competitor. Do you think that's that's fair? Yeah, I mean, I I can't say that number exactly, but there's definitely Amazon is kind of the major clearinghouse for yeah. book reviews, and actually not even just book reviews, reviews on all kinds of. On everything, products. right, right. But uh, uh, Goodreads is also gaining a lot of popularity. Yeah. That's another great place to go and check right. book reviews. So let's say that uh, we're in the market mm-hmm. for buying a book. We we know the book. We heard the book. We talked about it on a podcast or one of our friends said something about it. So we go on to Amazon. We read the reviews. What do we have to watch out for? When we read the reviews, well, first of all, you need to know that there are nut jobs out there. I, well, before we even get into that, when you look at reviews, Bo, okay, most people, let's say there's, let's say there's, throughout any number, a hundred reviews on a book. Most people don't read all one hundred no, reviews. What do you do personally, Bo? I'll read some of the five star, and then I'll read some of the one star. Right. And I I do as well, but I also usually go for the voice of reason, <laughs> which is the three star. You go middle. with the three star, yeah. <laughs> uh, That's probably a good technique. Yeah. And you could you could pick up the sense when when you're reading the reviews. Generally, you could tell like, all right, this this person's a, a, obviously a nut job, right? Or you could tell if they're very articulate, if they had a lot of reviews, if you if you see that they're a verified purchase, so they actually bought the book, which is always a good sign if you're going to leave a review that you want to make sure the person actually bought the book. Right. But you could you could get a sense of what the person is complaining about too. Yeah. A lot of times, if you look on the reviews, people will leave like one star and say, I never got the book. I ordered <laughs> the book and I never got it. Or they right. sent me the wrong book. And now this poor author has a one star review because of a, a, a technical screw up. Yeah. You know, and, yeah, and, th- and that's wrong. Yeah, I think Amazon would usually re- remove those if they're alerted okay. to it. So if you're the author in that unfortunate situation, at least reach out to Amazon. There you go. Um, th- there are also people who will give a book a negative review, not based on reading it, but based on the uh, maybe the worldview or yeah. underpinning motivation right right of the book you see that a lot with political books or with books on religion right it it's i mean constant people just go in there and that's unfortunate because a lot of times people will use amazon as a debate board yeah and you'll see that in the comments you'll see like somebody gives a crappy review obviously they never even read the book it's just yeah this this book's a whole bunch of bunch of crap in here don't believe it one star and then you'll have people commenting on that comment and it just keeps on keeps on going back and forth so is that the kind of review you want to pay attention to to buy the book well obviously no right i mean and you know there is there's certainly a place for examining the author's arguments and you know looking at if they 
makes sense. But, you know, especially that something written from a, a specific standpoint and is clearly coming from this standpoint to then go in and, and say, you know, tear it apart. It, like you got to judge the book on its on its merits. Yeah. I, I mean, just an absurd example. I hated math growing up, right? So should I go on Amazon <laughs> and look for all the math books and give yeah. them one star reviews just because I hate math? Right. I disagree with math. Yeah. Well, the thing is, nobody's passionate enough about math to actually oh, do I that. Oh, I was. If Amazon was around when I was in oh, you think so? <laughs> elementary school, middle school. <laughs> yeah. But that's why you find a lot of these kind of shenanigans with the, the religion and the politics, because those right. are two topics that where people tend to get pretty passionate and, and hot-headed about. Totally. Uh, another thing you have to watch out with the ratings is friends and family. Uh, one thing that uh, that we tell our customers and we, we would we would offer advice to somebody. Yeah, it, it's a good idea to get some of your friends and family to go ahead and review your book, but be careful the way you word it because you don't want to tell your friends and family, especially your friends or people who you're not incredibly close to, to give you a good review because it's you. You're putting them in a very uh, tough situation. Mm. By doing that, but still, people will do that. People will will pay people to to put reviews on there. They, mm. they will. Um, I, I've seen or heard of read of one case where it was an employer who pretty much threatened his employees. <laughs> like, you have to go on Amazon. Like really put him in a, in an awkward position to go on Amazon and to rate his book. And he had like a hundred employees or something. Right. And he's he's watching to see who's actually leaving ratings or not. Mm. Now, if your boss asks you to do that, what are you going to do? You know, right? I mean, you, you I could... always go right to Amazon and leave the review for you, like you ask, Bo. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's a lot of things you have to watch out for. That's yeah. why you really do need to kind of read the reviews. That I, I wouldn't. I don't know for sure. I'm completely out of my element on this, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's even some like Federal Trade Commission violation or something, or 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 some. Um, certainly, it's an ethics. Yeah, some issue, kind of ethic uh, violation, employee employer yeah. type of thing. Yeah, to put them in that kind of position. There are so many things wrong with that, but yeah. people do it, and it right. does happen. I think one protection that you have, for the most part, that is a very unique case where, where a guy had like hundreds of employees. But for the most part, you think of an author, their friends and family are generally limited to a, a fairly you know, small number, who people who would actually do this for you. So if you're going on Amazon and you're looking for a book and you see a book that has, let's say, five ratings and they're all five-star, you could, with confidence, probably think that that's what happened. You, you, of course, you'd have to read the reviews, but it's, it's, not, it's not a long shot to think that that's exactly what happened. You could get more confidence in the review if you read more, if, if you see that a review has a lot, a book has a lot more reviews. Right. And then through the law of averages, yeah, you're going to have some of those friends and family in there, but you're also going to have people who legitimately read the book and those reviews are going to be mixed in. Yeah. I, I know there are some who are authors or in the publishing community who advocate for specifically not even asking friends or family mm. for reviews. Um, now, sort of a related thing certainly if if you have some kind of a platform where you're reaching out to your fans whether that's a mailing list or a blog or facebook or social media um certainly i think it's a good idea to ask people 
if you liked my book, please leave me a yes. review yeah. on Amazon. That's not saying leave me a positive review, but it's also not saying I want everyone to review my book because I, I don't. <laughs> I exactly. I liked it <laughs> right. to right. review it. Right. So, I think that's the best way to word it, too, if there are any authors out there. But just keep that in mind as a reader. Right. Uh, that this, these are some of the, the strategies that authors use. And we recommend, as, as publishers, we recommend to our authors, this is a good strategy. It is a good idea to tell your, your group, whether it be friends and family or, or just people who are on your mailing list, that if you did like the book, to leave a review. And that's how you tend to get more, more positive reviews. So if you do see a book with many different positive reviews, obviously there are enough readers of the book that actually liked it enough to go ahead and and take that author's advice and leave yeah. the review. Yes. Sometimes, though, I've seen books that have not even been released yet that mm-hmm. will have 60, 80 reviews, all five star. Mm-hmm. That doesn't pass the sniff test for me either. Now, it could be that the author, that the author um, sent review copies yeah. to people who were their readers or their fans and naturally they're going to like it you know probably like their work and and give it a positive review it's it doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's something scammy but it it at least raises the flag that come on 80 reviews and they're all five star right yeah you have to question the the reviews perfect timing i I just got this book today from somebody that i know very well Uh uh-huh Somebody that I would say that I'm, I'm friends with, mm-hmm. who sent me a letter, who sent me the book. It says review copy, not for sale. And the the letter didn't say anything about leaving a review, but it did say it did kind of hint to that. Uh huh. So, so what am I going to do? Well, it, it's my friend who wrote the book, so I'm going to read it. And am I going to leave a review? Well, if I like it, I will. But I'm never going to leave a bad review. Because our identity on Amazon is it, it's there, so my friend could look at, at at his reviews, and he could see that oh, oh look what Bo wrote on that you know what a dick. <laughs> what would you write? Would you put a criticism in the review? I I would if I, I would think like four star and above. I'd be I'd be comfortable doing that. Okay, and so, so I, I would say something maybe a, a little bit critical, like, well, you know, he, he could have took a different tone or something like that. But right. overall, it was a great book. Yeah. As long as there was like a four four or five star review, then I, I would leave one. I would be okay with that. But really three star or below, no, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you have to consider this and the whole mentality, the psychology of what's going on in, in reviewers' minds and how there's there's some political influence there. Uh, so I, I guess the the bottom line here is just when you're reading the reviews and you're looking at the reviews, just keep all this in mind because it isn't a perfect reflection of the book. And I, I think it's also uh, it makes perfect sense to say that everybody has different tastes. So e- even if 100 people didn't like uh, the, the book, you you may love it. Right. And I noticed that with a lot of movie reviews, some people like it, uh, that they hate the movie or they love the movie, and and I don't I don't agree with many of them. Right. You know what I would love to see, Ryan? Yeah. That I've I've never seen like on uh, IMDb. <clears throat> I, when somebody leaves a review, somehow, if that review could be connected to the the movies that they really loved like their top 10 favorite movies. Mm. So now I could see, okay, well, I didn't like any of these movies. So now I could I could look at that review and say, well, it doesn't mean much to me. So maybe the same thing with book reviews, you know, or product reviews or, or anything. 
the the top 10 in that category so we could we could say okay yeah you're you're like me so if you didn't like this I'm probably not going to like right. it as well I mean to me that's an awesome idea how come nobody ever did anything with that yeah. or maybe they did I just don't know about it yeah so you know if you uh, if they're giving Rambo one star and their favorite movies are Bambi <laughs> on <laughs> <No>. Golden Pond <laughs> right. yeah. then you know it just may not be their cup yeah, of tea. It's like, all right, Graham, I could tell yeah. that you're you're different than me when it comes right. to movie taste. Now, on a related note, though, on Amazon, you can uh, indicate that a review is helpful or not mm-hmm. helpful, and that will kind of um, that feedback will show to the person viewing. And in, in fact, sometimes if if enough people complain about a review, Amazon will. Or actually, no, this is in the comments. If enough people complain about uh, a comment being unhelpful they'll even like hide it oh yeah can, right hidden comments yeah yeah that's done automatically you really want to see it yeah yeah, yeah. so right. um now what about we didn't talk about this at all before the show actually most of this we just kind of threw bullet points out to each other and said all right these are the topics we'll address that's the way we roll <laughs> right but uh, a closely related uh topic is endorsements which also can show you know prominently yeah. above the reviews you might see endorsements from other popular writers perhaps mm-hmm. in the genre of the book that's being published how much credence do you give endorsements both well see this is some information that that i have that ryan doesn't have because i listened to all 10 of our previous podcasts ah and ryan didn't and i know that we spent about 15 minutes talking about testimonials and endorsements oh jeez oh, in, in one of the podcasts <laughs> so so i i think that we pretty well covered all of that information but I, I think it, it's it's definitely worth talking about that in book reviews because yeah I mean that's that's a big part of of uh, buying a book if you see like wait okay now I'm confused now I'm thinking I don't remember if you just told me this story or if this was a story you told me six years ago on the podcast <laughs> that I just listened to right you were saying that you were cleaning your bookshelf uh-huh. and you were pulling a book off and you were about to throw it away and then you saw the testimonial on the back from somebody that you knew and respected. And you said, Hmm, I better not throw this away. Then do you have any recollection of that? I, I don't, but <laughs> okay. But so it, it was as you were sharing other things from, from the podcast that we talked about yeah. six years ago, I'm like, boy, I don't even remember us talking about that. Yeah. But that, that does sound like something I would do. It rings very true. So I'm right. sure I wasn't lying. <laughs> right. yeah, I'm sure you weren't. Um, <laughs> Did I say what the book was? No, no, no uh, you didn't say what the book was. Man, we, now I want to know. I know. Well, we, I we feel d- like I'm missing out. <laughs> we tried to keep names. We, that, right. that was one of the rules with the, the marketable right. podcast. We try not to say names and cause we, we don't want to get sued. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. That's what it comes down to. Right. Uh, yeah. But back to your your point about the testimonials, how much credence do you give them? Well, it, it depends on a lot of different factors. Um, I, I would say if, I don't know, I, it depends on the book and the person leaving the testimonial. It, it does do something, whether whether you, you make some kind of conscious connection with the credibility of the person who left the testimonial and the credibility or and the validity of the book, the credibility of the information that's inside, or just the, um, the, the quality of the book. There's so many things it depends on. I don't know. Mm. There, there is, a, I'm, like you said, I'm not going to throw a name out here, but there is someone who I know to be, this is a very popular 
writer. Did I talk about this six years ago? <laughs> yeah, oh my so. gosh! Did I call him? A, did I call him a review whore? Yeah, Man, yeah. We I'm talked about that. Book. Right. <laughs> so I, don't know, I think we should move on from this, and and you should listen to our uh, our previous podcast where we talk about this in detail. Right. It was one of the ten. I forgot exactly which one. Well, what I will say, though, this whole concept, though, of whether it's reviews, endorsements, what it all comes down to is social proof. That's yeah. what the, the author is trying to convey that, hey, there are other people out there who liked my book and You'll you like probably too. will, too. Right. So it works. It I mean, does. it's a very effective technique and there's a lot of validity to it, of course, um, but it also can be abused. So just keep an eye out for that. Right. All right. All right, let's talk about the whole bestseller thing because we, we see that all the time. I actually, full disclosure here, I created a course, an online course, to how to make your book a bestseller. And one of the first things that I wanted to do off the bat is define what I meant by bestseller because that whole term bestseller is so full of crap. It, it, so many people abuse that yeah. that I did not want to be guilty of that from the start. So what does bestseller mean? Well, I defined it in a sense where your book sells in the top 50%. Better than better than half the books out there. That's how I defined a bestseller. And I think that's fair because you could define bestseller any way you want if if you're using it in in, in a certain um uh, I, I genre. Guess. Well, if if okay, okay, w- w- within the course, I had to define bestseller in a way that I was using it within the course. Okay. And I think that it would be manipulative to take that terminology bestseller and then put it on a book because now you're using that terminology outside of the course. Okay. Yeah. So, so you're, you're removing the way that I defined it and you're putting it into a, a more generic broad sense where people don't understand how it's being defined. So that's where some deceit comes in and manipulation. So for example, if, if I defined in my course, I defined your book selling better than 50% of the books out there, then that's how I defined it. And that's fine because I'm defining it that way. So we're playing by my rules. It's my game. And let's and that's basically the operational definition of right. bestseller. But now, and it, if, and it sounds a lot better than how to turn your book into a book that sells better, better than fifty percent of all the right, books. Of course, out there. <laughs> yeah. which, by the way, how do you how do you validate that? Well, Amazon is one way to do it. Yeah, you can look at Amazon. You can see how many books sell, and just just go by that. I don't know. It's one way to do it. Yeah. Um, but using bestseller and putting it on your book, well, now you're really confusing people because bestseller can mean anything outside of my little online right, course. Right. So what people do within Amazon, and here's something that you need to know. If somebody says that their book is a number one Amazon bestseller, all they need to do, and I guess this isn't that small of a thing, but if you if your list is big enough, you have enough contacts you can get bestseller ranking just by spamming your list and telling everybody to buy your book in a certain time frame, like within a certain hour, is it? Like every hour it changes? Yeah. So if if you're, if let's say you have 100 contacts and 100 people bought your book within one hour, you gave them a window between noon and one o'clock p.m., then for that hour, you would have the Amazon bestseller ranking because they, they do it by hour. And then the next hour, you'd be off the bestseller list of Amazon. So if you could see how people can just 
carefully craft this and set it up so they can get the Amazon bestseller status. So when people say they have an Amazon bestseller, or especially like a number one bestseller, usually that's what they did, and it was a bestseller for one hour, and it's no longer a bestseller, but they're still using the title. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say usually that's what they did, but it's... Uh... I guess at least something to be aware of. There is a there is a technique for that, as Bose defined it here. Now, I'm not I'm really not opposed to using kind of a strategic launch strategy. Uh, even that technique of of um, giving people an incentive to order your book on a, a particular day, right? In exchange for some bonus content which often happens but what what's your purpose for doing that is your purpose for just for selling books or is your purpose to to take that bestseller uh tag and use it right that yeah that's exactly where i was going with that if you know if if you can do that because it's going to get more eyeballs on your book people who are going on amazon real time in that calendar day who see your book or who see you in people who bought this book also bought you know, your book, it's getting more eyeballs, more attention to your book. But if it's just to, and especially I used to see this years ago, like uh, even like 10 years ago, people who were doing that just to get that screen grab, just to get the screenshot showing their book at number one, or, you know, maybe it's not even number one, but number five or whatever on Amazon for that one second in time, (laughs) you know, where it, it spiked up there. Um, To me, that's, 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 cheesy <laughs> it's, it's marketing bull right but you know i i was thinking too i don't know if i don't know if authors have maybe just gotten a little more classy with this over the past several years or maybe it's just the people whose lists that i'm on <laughs> are a, a little more legitimate or better with their marketing huh. but i i can remember getting lots of offers of it could even be up to like 50 different bonuses if you buy the book between this hour and this hour on that day. And half of them were just lead generation for other authors who were <laughs> agreeing to put their bonus content in there, you know, in order to get more eyeballs on their stuff, yeah. which again, that, that concept is, I think is fine, but you know, half the offers are like, you get a free 30 minute coaching call with Bo Bennett. And you know, that's fine if you're going to give actual real coaching but if it's just to get you into get those people into your funnel for you to upsell them on a 30 minute sales pitch yeah exactly then that's i mean that's cheesy um but um i've seen lots you know over the past couple of years lots of offers some of which i've i've uh happily taken to um buy a book when it launches and you know it's it seems like people aren't so caught up on this one hour window or whatever it might be the week it launches or the day it launches and often it would be you would send a copy of your receipt to the author and then they'd give you a link to download bonus content. And, hmm. you know, if it's good, legitimate content, then great. But the other thing you see too, I, I can remember too with some of these and that 30 minute bonus call with Bo Bennett, that's valued at $499. Yeah. And Bo also wrote a three page PDF special report valued at <laughs> $99. So it's like, wow, $10,000 of bonus content for this $20 book on Amazon. Of course I'm going to buy it. Yeah, how could you not? <laughs> right. Yeah, I love how they overvalue things like that. Valued yeah. at, wait, wait, how are you getting this value? Explain <laughs> right. how this three-page PDF has a $99 value. There are jealously guarded secrets in there, yeah. Bo. 
<laughs> well, that's that's another thing about books. It probably doesn't fit really well in this content what we're talking about. But the whole idea of selling information incredibly, at, like at incredibly inflated prices, I think that worked back in the '80s. But more and more, we're seeing how difficult that is for anybody to get away with doing. Mm. If you're if you're paying really any more than like uh, I don't know, twenty bucks for an ebook, and I guess still in in um, academia things are different because textbooks, even ebooks, textbooks still go for like a hundred bucks, which which sucks big time yeah. when you have to pay that much for an ebook, and we know how much they cost to, and to make you know nothing pretty much. Uh, but yet people are still selling the information for... Um, Did we just completely undervalue our company? <laughs> it costs nothing to make ebooks. Well, comparatively speaking, <laughs> when we're talking about uh, uh, like hardcovers or something. Right. Yeah. There's no material costs. But exactly. Certainly there's labor no, but, costs. Okay, right. Labor yeah. costs. Not to mention all the overhead. And... Yeah. There's a lot of work. <laughs> and we do a great job, Ryan, at ebooks. So, um, but... Yeah, it, justifying a hundred dollar price tag on an ebook is incredibly hard to do. Yeah, and I think there's there's a lot of here here comes some of this political pressure and some of this bull, because when you're a student and you have to buy a certain book, you have to buy it. You don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. If you're taking the class, you have to buy this book. It's a requirement, and you you would think that the the class is probably getting some kind of kickback as well, or this the school. Right, and that's always kind of scary, but right. yeah, that, that a little bit of a tangent. Yeah. Hey, this is I, I'm only, I'm going to bring this up, even though we already talked about it and moved on, but because it's such a <laughs> it's such a it's such a sleazy one. I missed this when we were talking about um, reviews. Right. I've seen a case of an author, and I know without any doubt that it was the author who went onto books in a competing category, very similar books to his book and left reviews on these competitor titles saying, Hey, I bought this version and it was horrible. And I bought X, Y, Z, which was his own title. And it's awesome. (laughs) You should buy it too. I mean, that's just something, hopefully that's, you know, an exception to the rule, but it happens. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I think a, a clear sign would be advertising another book within that post. You could tell that there's there's probably a conflict of interest there. Right. But I've seen that tons of times too. People leave really bad reviews and give their recommendation for uh-huh. a uh, for a better book. Yeah, I, you put that in air quotes. Yeah, yeah. Are I know. I, I don't know. I I um, I've seen that too, and certainly there have been times that I've. It's Are you questioning my flag. use of air quotes? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm questioning, or I guess I'm suggesting that there are times where I've read a, a thoughtful, balanced review and seen another suggested title, and it's led me to look at that, and I've thought, well, it probably is just a, especially if it's like a top 100 Amazon reviewer or something yeah. like that, then I feel like, okay, this is... Well, well, that if in that case, I wouldn't use air quotes, because that is a real right. recommendation, yeah. but the reason I used air quotes, <laughs> although I shouldn't have put air quotes and air quotes right there. Because that was an appropriate use of air quotes. <laughs> but the, the reason I used it is because it wasn't really a recommendation. It was right. a sales pitch. Right. I gotcha. I gotcha. All right. So, yeah. So good point there. All right. So what you mentioned a couple things that I'm really interested to find out about because I don't know what you're talking about. Like the, the poetry something. Oh, yeah. I, boy, I can remember seeing these in the back of magazines. Um 
what do you call it? Mailings in the mail for a poetry contest. And you see ads for them online as well. Okay. It's, you know, a poetry contest, your chance to be a published author in print. Yeah. You and I obviously read different magazines when we were kids. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, application fee, only $50. <laughs> right so you're you're subsidizing the cost of right. of getting published and presumably they do choose a winner and pay you know a cash prize to the person who's the you know the winner of the contest right but then they also give you a special discount because hey you're one of the published authors or poets in this case in this book and so you can order the book at at discount um so i guess i i'm definitely not opposed to having compilations where different authors contribute and that sort of thing. And even them getting a, a, a discount on the book, but when it's really not a contest and is just a way to get people to kind of play on people's, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I guess their ego. Of, the ego you know, yeah. Oh, I can, you know, get a credit. I'm as a, a published author. <laughs> right. It only cost me $300. Right. Book. And then, a, then a similar, the concept that I mentioned is the whole who's who directories. I mean, I get, I don't know how many of those every month spam emails of, yeah. you know, 2015 who's who in business or whatever it is where they'll send it to anyone who's willing to pay, you know, however much to be included in their directory. <laughs> yeah. I got those before. Right. Yeah. And actually I, I've seen author bios where people have cited <laughs> that they that they've been named in the you know xyz who's who what an accomplishment well right and if you're actually putting that in your bio like that's worthy of space in your bio (laughs) and you could tell that that person probably doesn't haven't accomplished much right in their time right yeah there's another one i mentioned too is and this is i think one of those exceptions this isn't something you have to really look out for but it's still still interesting to know we've seen cases of stolen author bios and one case in particular Mm. that I can think of, it was on a technical book and the author bio that was used was from a romance author (laughs) and it was word for word, except for the person's name and, you know, included phrases of how, you know, she loves writing steamy romance, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But here's this like highly technical book. Yeah. Um, and I found that just by Googling like a sentence from the author bio and it brought up the author's page with, again, the whole thing word for word. There's another one I saw. This one was a technical book and a technical bio, but it was a complete ripoff. The only two differences were the person's name Mm -hmm. and the city instead of, instead of, you know, London, it was, um, I don't know, somewhere in, I forget what forget what country it was well i think there we're getting into the like a legal slash plagiarism as opposed to just you're right like marketing bull right but still um well it it, okay now that i just told you that what i was going to say next on my list is is probably along those same lines but it is something that consumers have to look out for and this is uh, what i call scavengers they are authors who are, they're not even authors. I, I won't, I'll, let's stick with scavengers. <laughs> they're scavengers who look on the web for content that they feel that they could repackage and sell. Basically, they're copying web pages. Sometimes we've even seen people 
copy web pages like exactly right and just put it into like a word document and try to push it off as an ebook so if you're thinking about what these people are doing they're saying okay well let's think of a topic what sells like how to get rich quick i mean that's obviously a big seller so you google how to get rich quick and you just go to web pages you do copy and paste and you just paste them into a word document and then you take that word document to somebody like us like mm-hmm. ebook it or one of our competitors and some companies don't have a quality assurance like we do uh, when those books come to us we will flag them and then reject them but there are other companies that are automated so there isn't a manual quality assurance step and the book will just get published and then they'll sell it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble for either 99 cents or they could sell it for $10 and 99 cents. You know, the, the, the range could be all over the place. So what you're essentially doing is you're buying stuff that you could have just Googled for free anyway. And it, it's a, it's a huge scam. I mean, and not to mention scam. it's a copyright, copyright violation. violation. Yeah. Yeah. So on, on one aspect, we're talking about something that's illegal, something that's a scam. But this is from the perspective of the person who's actually doing the the, the um, scavenger, I, I would call the person. Um, on the other end, though, it is marketing bull, and it's something that consumers have to watch out for. If you are the person looking at these different books and something looks suspect to you, maybe you download the first chapter or so and it, 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 something doesn't look right. Um, you may want to if you may want to Google some of that, uh, like a phrase in there, and see if that exact page comes up on the internet. Yeah, yeah, we've had cases of <clears throat> there are websites where people can ha- post their thesis or research paper, that sort of thing, and mm-hmm. we found um, received a submission for someone to publish a book, and it was like like you said, Googled a phrase from it, and boom, there it is, word for word. This is where they copied it from. Mm-hmm. Well, here's a question for you, Ryan, yeah. and you tell me if you think that this is okay or not. I have, let's say I have a blog, I have a website with a blog and a whole bunch of posts, yep. and these are all publicly available, and I put them all into a collection of a book, and I publish the book. Is that okay? You know, I, I think Amazon actually has a policy against that. Really? Yeah, I I think it has to do with selling content as an ebook or maybe it's for a print book too that's like freely available on the web um you could you could certainly take that content and sort of repurpose it rework it but to just copy it you know wholesale and post it as a book i don't think that flies Hmm. yeah it might have to do with that um boy it would have been better to look this up if (laughs) i knew you're gonna ask it (laughs) but there may be a certain percentage it can't be more than x percent of the book, you know, word for mm. word is available for free. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe that's something that our consumers don't have to look out for as much. Right. Yeah. If you're planning on publishing a book like that, double check Amazon's policies. Yeah. There you go. But at least in that case, you wouldn't be violating someone's copyright. It's your own, it's your own content right. that you're putting right. out there. And there is, I think there is value in putting it in, an ebook format or a print book format to make it accessible yeah. to people. Yeah, there definitely is. Okay. Definitely is because most people, I, I, I don't know most people, but many people don't like sitting in front of a computer reading a screen. Right. They like to sit in bed and with an iPad or something and um, in easy to read format, something especially offline. Is right. there anything else you have, Ryan, on this topic? 
Hmm. On the topic of book bowl or of yeah, book book bowl. I think I might be running out here. All right. Well, that's fine. And now's a good time to bring it to a close. If there's nothing else that uh, our consumers need to look out for in the the book business. Um. All right. Yeah, there is one other thing. Look out for those podcasts that promise weekly shows and then <laughs> go six years in between episodes. Right. Well, w- what is our plan? Our, I guess our plan is just to keep an eye out, and uh, we we get together about once a month. Right. So, um, so maybe maybe we'll we'll pick this back up again and uh, do it monthly, but no promises, no promises whatsoever. Right. Just consider this episode a special treat. Do we have any way for listeners to give us? Yes, feedback. feedback. They definitely do. Go to our website, realmarketingbull.com, and you'll see a link there that says share your bull, or that's also a link to email us, and you could email us information there. Uh, we no longer have the telephone number. So if you listen to our other podcast, you'll hear us talk about a number. Do you remember that number, Ryan? No. Do, like, do, do. Yeah, that's probably, you have called is, probably going to be one of those. Yeah. But we'd love to hear from you, feedback. Just go to realmarketingbull.com. Again, that's where you can find... All of our previous podcasts and this one, and you could comment and you could discuss this article, and hopefully we'll get a community going, and hopefully this thing will take off, and uh, we'll we'll entertain you monthly with uh, real marketing ball. Sounds good. All right, folks. Until next time, if there will be next time. <laughs> My name is Bo Bennett, and I'm Ryan Levesque. Take care, everybody. <laughs>